Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and welcome here. Thanks for being here. Now, before I introduce today's guest, we got something real exciting coming up. June 22nd, Craft Beer Label Design Course 2.0 launches. There is so much more content in this one. We've got the workbook in there as well, the printable or editable PDF. You can enter the notes. You can answer the questions. You can learn along with this document, not just like the the screen and the videos that we include in there. There's also a bunch of extra bonuses, including branding a brewery, including Adobe Dimension with Nick Longo. And my mind was blown with how incredible Adobe Dimension is and how you as a label designer, not just for craft beer, but for food labels, for cosmetic labels, for pharmaceutical labels, anything that needs a label, this course and Adobe Dimension is a perfect fit for you. So yes, it's the craft beer label design course, but it's for any label. The fundamentals are for any label in any industry. And that's a lot. There's a lot there. Now, if you don't want to wait until June 22nd to start learning how to create these awesome labels, go to printdesignacademy.com and get the free guide there to start learning about these labels and how some of these awesome label designs are done. Now, leading into this June 22nd launch, we're doing some awesome podcast episodes with extremely talented designers who are creating these amazing craft beer labels starting today with our guest, Matt Kump. He is a graphic designer out of Vancouver, British Columbia, working in that brewery industry. And today we are talking about five different craft beer labels that he created for Boombox Brewing, who has a really cool, like retro nostalgic sort of brand in the direction that they go. And these labels are amazing. So this is the audio format. You'll hear us talking about it. If you want to see the visuals of these labels, I'll post them throughout the week on Instagram, but you can go over to YouTube, Print Design Academy on YouTube, and I've posted the video of this podcast there where you can see these labels for yourself as we're talking about them. But if you're driving, I understand that won't be so uh, easy to do. But that's enough of me talking. Craft Beer Label Course comes out June 22nd. Head to printdesignacademy.com now to start learning about that. And let's get into this freaking beer label chat. It's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Mr. Matt Kump. Here we go. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Matt, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. This is going to be great. This is a sort of like craft beer label edition, and you've been kind enough to share some of the work that you've done for Boombox Brewing, and wow, I want to learn more. <laughs> well, appreciate the wow. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, before we get really get into talking beer labels, um, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into this. For sure. So I have been a designer uh, professionally for my entire career. Uh, started just making logos for video game stuff when I was a kid and just got hooked. Nice. Uh, so it was very natural. Um, went to school for graphic design uh, at the Art Institute here in Vancouver. And then just kind of went all over the place. Web design, game design, UI design. Ended up mostly in product design, uh, mm-hmm. software product design. Um, but on the side, still like to do graphic stuff for my friends. Um, and that's kind of how I landed into doing craft beer can label design, uh, particularly with Boombox, but also some other smaller things. Um, so were you putting like beer label design work out there that these people wanted to or, or – or- and then that's what people saw and started bringing more of that work your way? Or did this just kind of like, just kind of happen? It kind of just happened. So this is, it's kind of a, I don't really know how how to phrase it, but it's a serendipitous transition. Serendipitous. That was literally (laughs) the word I was trying to think of. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was a, uh, uh, so I'm part of a kind of a local beer community. Mm -hmm. Um, We use, we have a Slack room that we all just kind of talk about beer in and it's been around for years and essentially a group of us uh started a festival called farmhouse fest uh, which is a a beer festival that with the pandemic hasn't happened in a a minute but it's all about farmhouse sales it's all outside it's a good time and i help with the design for that uh and eventually when some members of the group some friends of mine were starting boombox brewing uh as a a, a stint in Callister, which is the brewing co-op for many years, still technically. Okay. Um, they saw my work. They're like, hey, we like we're doing this thing. Love if you could help us with like a logo. This is all it was back in the day. Cause yeah. everything at Callister was on draft. All you really need is a logo. Growlers are done. Uh, so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, put a logo together and that's it. That's the brand that's it. now. That's 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 early craft beer. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, these are friends of mine. I've had uh, Kent, who's the brewer, uh, the main brewer there. I've had his homebrew many times. I'm like, yeah, if you're making a brewery, I want I want in because that's going to be good beer. You can pay me in beer back then. <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. And, and I love how you mentioned that because that not that really where this whole – I'm going to use all of the cliche terms here – the craft beer movement, like that's where that all started is with those home brewers that were just putting kick-ass things together, started – going like big time and then it really caught on exactly i mean we can go we can go all the way back to the 1970s in san francisco and talk about that <laughs> homebrew into craft beer trend but it's it, it is a big deal uh you get a lot of people who are just kind of interested and they have their ways to kind of dip their toes in the waters professionally mm-hmm. and you have people that are like much more invested and then go work at breweries and come out of that and start their own thing and that's been very prevalent here um but yeah, things like Callister, uh, the co-op there, that's where Superflux came from too. Um, and obviously, they're a pretty big player in the scene here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so having Superflux. that opportunity. You, may, you may have heard of them. You may have heard of them. That's cool. So Callister was really the home base for a lot of these craft breweries that sort of leapt out of that mm-hmm. into their own brands, into their own places. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of kickstarted a lot of, a lot of careers. Uh, also let people just try things without too much risk which is awesome. Yeah, that's cool. A little experimentation, right? Mm-hmm. So you get to do this logo for them. And that logo, is that the same logo that's on the cans, the, the Boombox Spring logo? 
Yep, same logo, just the the kind of angled silhouette boombox with a couple hops for uh, speakers, which fun fact, uh, those hops were assets I made for Farmhouse Fest. And I'm like, oh, these will be pretty decent placeholders. And then we ended <laughs> up just liking them so much that we just kept it. And you could see these hops on an old Farmhouse Fest like banner. It's like, yep, that's the boombox hop right there. That's awesome. That's how it all came together. So how yeah. did you then transition this from here's your logo for just the draft stuff um, to now we're going to start our own brewery? Like you need to take that logo and turn it into a brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once uh, the time came where they left Calister and then they started brewing out of Dogwood, it was not really feasible to be a draft first brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, the tap room at Dogwood didn't really support that uh, versus Callister. So they're like, we're going to be doing packaging. Um, I knew the guys pretty well. I knew what kind of vibe they were going to go for a uh, very like retro, a little bit of like, like bold, their beers are all bold. Mm-hmm. So we knew we wanted to do fun, bold in your face, but not like aggressive um, yeah. designs. We wanted to, we wanted to have fun with it and they like my style. So they just trusted me fully with what we're going to do. Uh, and it's it's a very like symbiotic relationship in terms of passing ideas back and forth. Like they'll say, "Hey, we want to make this beer with this kind of label." I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it," and I'll I'll figure out how to make it work. Or I'll be like, "Here's an idea for a name or, and a label. Uh, if you have a beer that fits it, let's run it." So it's very very casual. Um, That's cool. But, yeah. So when they when they started Dogwood, they need to start doing cans. Uh, the first one we did was Rad Seeker. Uh, which is a purple purple can with like pink text, so very synthwave, which yeah. very much in our our repertoire of styles is a lot of synthwavey stuff. So we knew that would stand out, um, and I just wanted to make something bold and flashy that had a had a level of polish to it that you might not expect um, from a very small craft brewer. Yeah, uh, but didn't look like it was part of a, a system necessarily. If you look at Boombox's cans, our system, our structure is very simple. It's art the name of the beer is as part of the art mm-hmm. and then the style underneath that and then the logo underneath that that's the entire system there's no anchoring it. facets it's like every label's like a one-off even if we produce it all the time that's cool yeah. um what was that beer called i want to try and find that so i can pull it up on the screen here because i definitely want to look at that like the original the the first the first one was rad seeker so it's yeah, yeah. r-a-d-s-e-e-k-e-r got it Big purple okay, and pink one. Downloading this right now. We're gonna pull it up on the screen. This is how we do it here. This is just gonna roll. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think of the the TV show. It reminds me of a TV show, um, like a retro retro TV show, like a title screen too. Yeah the the type is a uh, almost like Miami Vice ish. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this was the first one we did. And the idea was like, let's just have an aesthetic versus like a specific image we're trying to portray. Yep. So it's very, it's got, it's got all your synthwave tropes. It's got the grid, it's got the script with the shines, uh, and then I like, I'm a very Photoshop first kind of designer. So mm-hmm. it's it's less vector graphicy and more photographicy, um, and it's not super reflected in like the mockups, but. All of our cans, for the most part, there's a couple exceptions, use uh, metallic bop. So yeah. all the grid lines, the logo, the 
the style and then the name are all um, knocked out in metallic. So they really shine in the light. That's awesome. And is there a photo of that one? Do I have? Yeah, I got, I think I got photos of that one too. Yeah, there right? should be a photo. Yeah. Uh, I think there's at least like a four pack photo in that folder. Yeah. Yeah. I got it here. Yeah. It might be, a, that looks better on the colors. Yeah. Let's pull that up instead then. All right. Live. This is live. This is not really live, live, but we're just going to roll right through this. No editing here, Matt. Sick. That's how the best ones are done. Yeah. Cause yeah. the photo you're right. As soon as I saw the photo, it, uh, it made a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing about using like all these metallics and holographic materials is you can only really represent what the can looks like in real life. I yeah. can, I can try as hard as I want to like fake this stuff. And it'll get the idea across, but it won't necessarily get the visual across. No, yeah, you no. See- so here you can see the shines and the text there, especially in the script text, mm-hmm. um, really coming through is that sort of metallic base uh, yeah. material. Yeah, and you can really see this is just the a raw Rad Seeker photo. You can still see the light box around it, but yeah. it's a yeah. So it's it's playing with this element, like you can see in the grid lines how the light reflects off it. Um, oh and yeah. So the first. At Dogwood, so the first brewery where we actually had these package products, yeah. they had a big fridge, like just one big fridge. And on the release day, it was just full of rad seekers. So it's just wall of shining purple and pink. And it was like that that was like, okay, this is working. I like this a lot. <laughs> That's so walking cool. into the room and seeing that. Uh so I knew like everything, like that was this the feeling I wanted to try and replicate going forward. Yeah, when it just dominates a whole wall space like that. That's so cool. Yeah. So just talking about the the file in this one for a second here. Mm-hmm. So the areas that, you know, you can kind of see shiny, like the grid and the floor and the highlight spots on the text. What's going on there is you've reversed out the white layer. So you've right. got that metallic substrate sort of creating that sheen. You're not, but everywhere you don't want that, you've printed a white, which essentially kills the metallic. And, and makes it not have that sort of foily like sheen to it. So you can really create almost like spot gloss treatments just using the opaque white and a metallic substrate. Exactly. And that, this was the first time that I'd ever done this. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to go for that spot gloss. And initially, uh, when we were talking about it, we thought we might end up using um, like not, not full sleeves, but clear labels. And using the can's natural uh, metallic character, yeah, so like a, sh- like a shrink sleeve, yeah, got the clear shrink film. But we, when like I saw how the matte printing on a on a Bob label looked, I'm like, that metallic looks just like the can, yeah. And this will be much easier for me to work with and and control the the tones. And it's, I think it might even be a bit cheaper. <laughs> so we we couldn't think of enough reasons to go with the clear for uh not non-full like this this height label uh obviously there's good reasons to do shrink sleeves if you're going all the way to the top but this style of just sticker on can is so indicative of like high quality craft ipa that we yeah we knew it was the right move 100 percent. no that's such a cool and that's that's the first one that, that Dude, was the first like, one. Going in hot. out of the park. <laughs> Thank you. Coming in hot. <laughs> that was yeah. We we I I I had the art ready. I'm like, let's let's amp it up and see. I had an idea of the grid being metallic from the start, 
And then the logo just made sense because the silver looked nice. But yeah. it was like, let's let's just play with it. We did a test print. We were really happy with it. We made like a minor adjustment and it was good. That's And that's kind of how we do everything. It's like, we try something. Yep. It looks pretty good. We tweak it a bit and it's good. And on the printing side of these, these printed digital, right? Yeah, these are all these are all digital printed. Yeah, so when you're printing on digital, you have the luxury of doing a test print for a pretty cost-effective price. You know, when yeah. you're in in that flex or offset world where you're creating plates and things, you know, those test prints can be pretty expensive. But with digital, you can crank out test prints to get it right. Exactly. It's definitely one of the big benefits we have and with most of our small batch or first time making something, we'll always do digital labels. Mm-hmm. Um eventually for like mainstays even like this label nowadays is printed uh is printed offset but we we had the luxury of kind of dialing that in from the start yeah yeah you had an opportunity to really test it out digital in that smaller quantities and that's what's so great about that digital label print world is just testing things Mm -hmm. experimenting trying things you know where, where the stakes of failure are pretty low yeah exactly that's awesome. Cool, man. So that was that's what you enter the market with. And then you start developing other products. Or the brewery starts developing other products. And then this beer design relationship just continues to grow. Yeah, exactly. It's just we're getting a better sense of how this works, um, how the process is. And it's, yeah, it is what it is. It's, 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 very, it's very casual. Um, mm-hmm. It's very open and symbiotic 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 i love it so there you had sent me a huge folder of a bunch of awesome labels and we kind of went through and picked out uh i think four of them that Mm -hmm. we can talk about and dive into all in sort of just a brief story on how it came to be um and also just a little bit about the file side of things like how these were set up and materials used and that kind of thing and I think I'd love to start with the hollow tape if you're cool with that one. For sure. Hollow tape, very like classic cassette tape. And mm-hmm. what was the first cassette tape you ever bought, man? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever purchased a cassette tape. Never? <laughs> Never. Dude, my, the first piece of music I ever bought was a cassette tape, and it was the Presidents of the United States of America. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> what album it was one of their albums? It was um, the one with Peaches on it. Why is that escaping? I can't remember the name of the album. I think it was self-titled. Anyways, they that millions of peaches. You know, yeah. that's, everybody knows that song. Oh yeah, of course. Um, that was my. That, I bought that on cassette tape, and then the next time I went to buy music, like CDs were just like getting good. So I bought the second Presidents of the United States of America album, but it was a CD. Uh, yeah, I remember, I remember the cassette tape days. I remember. Yeah, I definitely like had cassettes, but they were all just stuff I stole from my parents. I didn't have, <laughs> I never bought my own. Te- and actually, ironically, I do own a cassette now, and it's a boombox one. That's awesome. <laughs> we did you a collab. Guys m- you yeah, made we did cassettes a collab with a, um, uh, a local synthwave artist named FM Attack. Yeah. And as part of the release, uh, we did a special uh, kind of EP of, of some of uh, their best work uh, and did custom cassettes for it which was a lot of fun that was that was interesting too a whole different like stamp printing process i know nothing about frankly that's awesome and that's such like uh, that nails the brand of the brewery right with all of that retro and throwback putting out cassette tapes is just like just part of that that's awesome Mm -hmm. so cool 
Um, so yeah, up on the screen here, we've got the hollow tape. This is the flat label. This is what it looks like. Um, you know, sort of like a finished mock-up, I guess you could say, but let's start yeah. with this one, the actual can cans. Yeah. Cool, man. So where did this idea come from? Uh, so this one, uh, was an idea that, uh, Ryan, one of the, the owners of Boombox, uh, came to me with not specifically the, the execution of it, but he's like, we want to make a beer called holotape using holographic foil. I'm like I'm, I'm in. I'm sold. So I just started thinking up ways of how to make that look interesting. And I knew I could get a lot of, I didn't want to make something like super holographic, just like all over. I wanted to use it in a clever way, uh, which is generally what I try and do with metallic um, or any, any special substrate. Yeah. There's Uh, a balance, right? You're overusing. There's a balance. If you like, you can use all metallic in a, in a cool way and it, in an effective way. Uh, but I think it needs to be intentional. So when we were doing this hollow tape, I'm like, well, I'd like to use it on the physical tape, very, very on the nose. So it's how do we make that something interesting? And I just thought about, I did a couple different mockups and landed on this tape spewing out idea and then found that it would be a nice way to fill a lot of visual noise if I kept the rest of the can kind of like muted back. So the tape is the same color as the background, uh, the cassette. And then using this just kind of hand drawn loop-de-loops of, of, of tape spewing everywhere and cutting off the bleed, uh, it would just kind of fill it in and, and look attractive from most angles. If you get it in the right light, that's the trick about holographic foil. Yes. Is these photos both do and don't do it justice. <laughs> it's really hard to get the angle and get the lighting just right to make it pop and make you understand exactly what you're looking at. A hundred percent. Cause a lot of times with holographic, like you could end up with something that just looks gray if you're looking at it straight on. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's why my mock-ups, I just put a rainbow in there. They don't, I could not make it look like I could look in front of me and look at the can that's right there and not make it reflect what I'm looking at on the screen. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how you could go about trying to create something like that. So better photo editor than me, maybe. <laughs> For sure. So that's a really unique uh, take on it. So you've used a holographic substrate, mm-hmm. and you've got the white printing on there, and black, and is, I guess just full color printing on top with white? Yeah, yeah, it's just a full color print um, with, with white knocked out, and then like a layer of fake shadow um, on top of the curves uh, just to give it a little more depth. Definitely. So you're left with a lot of that holographic substrate showing right through nothing printed on top of it, giving you that like rainbow sheen in the right light. Yeah, exactly. And something that's different about this one versus most of our labels is because it's a holographic uh, material, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a glossy finish. Um, What we found is, or what we've been told, I actually have a test coming in soon because I, I want to see what it's like, uh, is a matte finish on a holographic like really kills the effect. You just mm-hmm. don't see it. Oh, so. murders it. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> we have a we have a, another beer that we use holographic foil for called Secret Galaxies. Mm-hmm. And we, we that one we're okay with being quite subtle. So we're doing a test with, and it's a more of a sparkle holographic than just a, okay. like a, a big swooping one more than like um, the straight rainbow effect yeah uh because it, it it goes through this kind of like dot matrix print over it uh to look like stars so we want to see cool. if the subtle works 
because we really like matte finishes. Yeah. Well, I really like matte finishes. <laughs> yeah, I, matte fin- it's almost become the norm with the craft beer world. Like most of them are matte finish now. Mm-hmm. I well, I think specifically with this like label on can, you're getting it. It feels more like authentic for some reason. Like the glossy feels almost cheap in a way, even though it's absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, often it's in an execution like this, it's more expensive, literally. Yeah. Um, but it, without taking the entire space of the can, it just feels a little off. Um, especially when the norm now, like you said, is everything's matte. Gloss might stand yeah. out, but it might not necessarily stand out for the right reasons. <laughs> yes, I can. I, no, I agree. I know what you're saying there. Um, this is another cool shot that I just pulled up here that gives it, you know, just a, another view on how that holographic is showing up. Um, am I right in saying that in this little window on the cassette tape here under the words holotape, there's also holographic there? You like you've left it holographic inside? Yeah, I want I wanted it to stay like anywhere there's tape, it's technically yeah. holographic. And actually, I wonder if this will, I have it, have it here. I wonder if it will show up. Uh, you can kind of yeah, see, focus. Time. Ignore me, camera. Yeah, you can kind of see it there. Oh, yeah. That's but cool. Th- that's how it goes. I got some lucky light here. That's really rainbowy. That's nice. Yeah, that's really good. Dude, that's the magic light right there. Yeah, I got the magic light right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one place. That's that streaming light. Yeah, it's the that's the spotlights right here. Love it. No, that's great, man. This is such a cool one. I love the retro throwback with it. I love mm-hmm. the use of materials. Yeah, so in the file, the you've got... You got a white layer. You've got your CMYK layers, and that's it, eh? That's that's pretty much it. It's a the in this one, like the the main art is just a Photoshop, like photographic um, mm-hmm. image, and then I have like the vector layer that knocks out the ribbon itself um, to do the to do the white printing, and that's pretty much it. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward la- uh, label. I'm generally more comfortable. Uh, with boombox labels in like Photoshop photographic stuff versus pure vector, but we have done that as well. So it goes both ways. Yeah. I love how you say, you know, it's a pretty simple setup. And then, you know, a lot of people when they're looking at that are trying to figure out what is going on. Like how is this created? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it did take me like a couple personal test prints to make it look right. Um, mm-hmm. For the, that's why I ended up adding like, fake shadows into the like printed over the holographic yeah. um, just pure black just to make it feel a little more real um, but for the most part so that dialing that in was tricky but for the most part it's just a, a picture of a cassette on a grayish background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's but it comes down to to knowing what happens with different substrates when you do different things. Right. Right. And then once you know that and you know how uh, metallic and holographic stocks react, you know how shrink sleeves and the can, you know how those effects work. You can create some astounding designs that on the, on sort of the technical side are actually fairly simple and straightforward, Mm -hmm. but the execution is just bananas. Like it just looks so crazy. Yeah, exactly. And we've learned a lot, like printing these over the years. Like this one label that I d- I don't have here, but Wizard Mode, which the idea is like, it's it's a dot matrix display, like a pinball thing. Like Wizard okay. Mode is a it's a pinball thing. Uh, so it's all orange dots at different opacities against the background to represent the light. And yep. I wanted that to be metallic. 
orange does not stay orange when it's metallic. No. Very brown. <laughs> so <laughs> it came out a little more brown than I like, but that's something I learned. We are, we're actually working on another print of it, and I'm hoping it's improved. We'll see. This is another, like, got to test yeah. it just to see. Yeah, so that's when you go and you you see how the colors react, and then you go, oh, okay, that's a little bit too brown, a little too dark. You go into the CMYK, and you're playing with values mm -hmm. to get it to, to print the way you want it to look. Yeah, exactly. And this, so this time I'm actually going with a, a pure neon Pantone spot nice. um, just to see if that amps it up a bit. There's other things we could do, but um, I don't want to – it would be a big change, and I don't really want to risk that just yet because it still looks good i'm so happy with it mm -hmm. just little tweaks each time you like just a little a little something a little something little we could do here yeah got it uh the next one that i think i wanted to dive into is juicy af and that's mm -hmm. one of the is that like a that's a regular beer that's not a special run that's something that they they run all the time yeah that's that's a core beer uh it's one of the it's one of the first ones we did so we started with rad seeker then we did ultra deluxe and then we did juicy um, and now, and juicy is really popular. So now it's just become a mainstay. It's, it's got its own box. Not many of our beers have a box. <laughs> you know what? That's how you know you made it when you got a box, when you got a box, that's, that's when you're in the big leagues now, <laughs> it's honestly like, it's a cheaper and more like environmentally friendly way to package four packs. Uh, if you mm -hmm. can, if you can do it, uh, which, uh, producing beer at Parallel 49 lends us all their equipment. So. Yep. Being able to do our bigger batches like this instead of pack text, it's a lot more efficient. Yep. Just on the whole. 100% mm -hmm. boxes for sure. Awesome. So this one is just like you can, is this a photo or a mock-up? This looks like a photo. This is a photo. Yeah. So yeah. you can really see the, you can see how the metallic uh, spot metallic here uh, reacts to light really well. Awesome. Well, talk me through the idea of this one. Talk, talk me through the the conversation of, you know, I'm kind of thinking and, and and where this idea came from. Mm -hmm. So this one actually took a while to get in because we knew the name was going to be Juicy AF. Like that was that was it. But that's such a generic concept. Mm -hmm. um, like Juicy IPA is just 99% of IPAs. Uh, even back then, this was this would have been 2017 mm -hmm. um, that we did this. So I, I ran through so many concepts. I had one that was like just juicy af like the letters almost like fridge magnets but not photorealistic um making this weird face because i was just running out of ideas <laughs> and I was, I was getting really photographic with it and i'm like this yeah. isn't working uh it, it looked like that one didn't work because my uh ryan was like it looks like a steel and oak label I'm like damn it it does look like a steel and oak label we can't do that yeah um, but this kind of just came about with just like sketching things i was like doing like kind of flowing juice and i was thinking photographically but my renders were like just quick photoshop like blocky chunks and i'm like i kind of like the blocky chunks and so i i did this all this this is the one of very few labels that's 100 just all done in illustrator all vector mm -hmm. um using some basic illustrator like shadowing effects and stuff like that and gradients so it's just the idea of pretty much orange juice like that's it's pretty much orange juice, which you can describe a lot of these beers as it's orange juice made harder for adults. <laughs> it's the hard uh, juice. Yeah. So it was like, OK, I want to I want to play with these these kind of flowing waves and just mm -hmm. let the color do the heavy li heavy lifting and then integrate the type into that because I get all these layers for free because mm -hmm. um, it, it had started as an idea of like this kind of juice, like interacting with the layer, uh, the letters. Sorry. 
And I'm like, okay, well, I can I can do that in a more simplified way. And then when thinking about the metallic, I just wanted to reinforce that movement. Mm-hmm. So it was, I have I have these forms. I can reinforce their layering by like using the metallic shine, and then yeah, just finish it with a with a contrasting green to really make it look like an orange. Yeah, it's crazy how much depth is in this is in the label visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just that's the the layering, the gradients, the and the lines. Like it looks a lot, lot worse without the lines. We, <laughs> Does we, it really? The first one we ever printed, it was supposed to have the lines. Yeah, but the the printer just like I guess ignored the uh, the the knockout layer. Yeah, or just something happened, and they just printed like full metallic, so you couldn't see the lines. It was just metallic this the whole like, thing yeah this is boring this sucks <laughs> so oh no we we have like and it was like we didn't sell it we were like eh, you messed up we need we need the right right one yeah. um but it was interesting to see that because like that was what i was looking at in illustrator by layers like i don't see the metallic layer there i didn't draw these lines in the label like label art it's only knocking out the art so yeah. it's 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 the very bottom layer um so seeing it fully realized like this it's is beyond anything that I, I was actually mocking up. You weren't even I, able to like envision this when you were creating this on screen, you were just hoping it was going to do what everybody was hoping it would do. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I had an idea and I had like my, my rendering of maybe this will do this. Yeah. Um, but until you see it in person, it doesn't really uh, do it justice. And luckily I was happy with how it came out. So it, it worked. That's awesome. So again, this is metallic, metallic mm-hmm. substrate. We've got a white layer that's allowing metallic to show through in certain areas. And then you've got your CMYK printed over top of everything. And in the areas that you've reversed out that white layer, it's basically changing the color of the print. Yeah. Because it's printing on metallic instead of white now. Yeah, exactly. So it's, this was the first one where it wasn't like taking a piece of the art that was like, this piece is going to be metallic and like yeah. just knocking it out. It was like, no, we're just going to make that imply that image uh, with the metallic. So if you rotate it at the right angle, like the lines will disappear into the art because they'll yeah. match Yeah, uh, if you, if you hit the right light and we've used this again in the future. So like, Rad Seeker doesn't do this. Like the lines for the grid are on the art. Like you could see if it wasn't metallic, you could see it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Synthwave, which is like a sister beer to Rad Seeker, okay, um, it has these grid mountains. They are purely the same technique as this. They're just if if you look at the art, there's no mountains there, uh, and if you angle it right, you won't see the mountain at certain parts. So it's it's a fun way to kind of illustrate um, without drawing. That is so cool. Such a unique way to use that. So yeah, like in your, now I, now I can picture this, that in your illustrator file, it's blah. And when you look at the white layer, that vector reversed out white layer, you can see all the stripes and the lines and things that you're trying to achieve and bring out in the design. But when you put them together, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always the fun part is like, seeing the final result and it surprising you still. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about that for a minute. When you go from, you know, working for weeks or months on a specific label design and you're seeing it on screen and, you know, never anything in print, 
what's it like to finally hold it and see it, you know, in real life on a can? It's it's uh it's really cool. I I still remember the the first one that that ever had was the the first one, so Rad Seeker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I didn't I didn't get to hold it until we were selling it. Like I I went to Dogwood, and the first one I just had it in my hand and I'm like, all right. We got something. Here. We got <laughs> something going so here. Cool. It was it was a really really cool feeling, and I, I get that every time. Still, it's like especially when we're doing new things like mm-hmm. like hollow tape, seeing that for the first time, yeah. Um, or some of the uh, like raised ink stuff we do, or some of the like batch printing, like hype beast. We have like technically seven or eight different layouts for that one, and we yeah. just print them all, and you just get them randomly. So seeing them like stacked up beside each other to actually spell out the full word, mm-hmm. uh, it's really exciting, because those are things that you could envision a little bit digitally. But until with with any kind of print design, it doesn't feel doesn't feel the same until it's it's there in front of you. The totally. And that's from because you obviously you can't recreate textures. You can't feel your screen and be like, oh, that's how that's going to feel. That's cool. Yeah, like, exactly. The, the, and even when you're just print like regular print on just paper, like you can't create that tactile experience when you're designing on screen. So when you can finally hold it and the design meets that tactile part of it in the application, in the environment it's going to be in, like that's when it all comes together. Yeah, that's that's the joy for me in doing print design work, having Mm. spent the vast majority of my career doing exclusively digital uh, web product game stuff. It's, it's not the same. Uh, It's it's, a a different joy, a very different one, Mm -hmm. but this is, this, this really satisfies the, the old school designer, like want in me uh, versus like the, am I meeting our KPIs? desire <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah i hear what you're saying you know but creating physical objects and putting them out in the world like that's yeah it's a pretty cool feeling for sure that's awesome man okay so i want to move on to one that we were talking about earlier that takes advantage of some pretty cool technology that's available in this digital print world um with tempest beer so let me just pull that one up and then tell me the story about this how this all came together and boom. So this is it. This is awesome. Yeah. So this one, this one's really fun. Uh, so this is a collab that we did with uh, Superflux. Uh, Superflux came to us with the name idea. They were they were opening their new space um, right in the middle of a pandemic. And nice. wanted to, we're doing some collabs with breweries uh, just to like have some beer out there while they're transitioning away from Strathcona to the new space. Mm-hmm. And Match made in heaven, probably the two best IPA producers in the province. Sorry, everybody else, but it's true. Uh, coming together to make a beer, and they came to us with the name. Uh, I didn't know why it was Tempest at the start, and my brain immediately went, Oh, yeah, the arcade game that makes total sense to me. Yeah, uh, where we do arcade stuff, we have a literal beer co- called Arcade Glow, it's very vintage, uh, very retro aesthetic, and then uh. Matt from Superflux mentioned it's like oh it's a tool song I'm like oh from Fear Inoculum okay very different and <laughs> <laughs> not exactly what I was thinking not but exactly okay. what I was thinking but the the artwork for Fear Inoculum is like this fractal tube like this fractal like never like black hole essentially okay. um, which is very in line with the Tempest like 
art the game, which is just an, an endless vector tunnel. Got it. And I'm like, okay, well, I can play with that for sure. Um, how do I make something that feels boomboxy, uh, but also super fluxy? Because they're very particular about their brand. Uh, they have excellent taste mm-hmm. and like awesome ideas all the time. Genuinely. So I'm like, okay, well, I want to play with a little bit of metallic. So all the borders uh, on all this art are metallic. So we want to separate the cells a little bit. And I knew I wanted to play with a color palette that wouldn't normally be boomboxy, definitely more super flexy. Um, And then the boombox part of it is let's put the name in the middle because that's what we do. (laughs) That's not what super flex does. It's very not super flex. So it's, it's, it's very to the point. And then the other thing that we like to do is, play with the process of printing these things. So we mm-hmm. use metallics, we use foils, we use uh, raised inks. And so this, we were, like you mentioned, we were using this technology from HP, name completely escapes me. But essentially, we have one base label that has these spot colors in all these different places. Mm-hmm. And we can randomize how those colors are applied with each label that comes out. So there's like, I don't remember how many, but like thousands of different ones. Uh, yeah, you can using their the HP Indigo like software um, collage, and then something else. I can't quite yeah. exactly remember what it was called, but you can basically randomize and create an infinite number of variabilities in different labels. So every label that comes out will have some kind of different variation in color, in uh, you know positioning of those colors, and whatever mm-hmm. that be. Yeah, and you can like you could use different image assets and stuff and pull from a folder and things like this. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of I know Brassneck, I believe they use it for their base labels too. Like the photo pulls randomly uh for the back, if I remember correctly. Cool. Um, so we wanted to play with that. Uh our printer was was talking to us about this way in the past, and we've always wanted to use it. So this made perfect sense. We're like, one, it's okay that the labels don't match because it's super flex and boob box. Mm-hmm. It's going to sell no matter what we do. Yeah. That's just, it's, that's the luck of this one. So let's have fun with it and let's make it unique. So we, we pitched this, they were super into it. Um, and then, yeah. So like I have like, it can be any like assortment of colors uh, and it feels very on brand for both breweries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it was very simple design. Let's make a tunnel. I did this like wide hexagon to like in- encapsulate the entire text. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. Another reason knowing that I don't have to worry about it being on shelves. The name is not readable. Like from the front, if you're just mm-hmm. looking at it, it's uh it's MP. MP. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's So we get to do cool shots and like have fun with it. And uh, you know, Instagram ready. Yeah, things exactly. Like that. So on the file side, how did you, like, did you have to create something different? Did you have to, what did you have to spec as a designer to take advantage of that sort of AI feature, that software? Yeah. So all I did was I made essentially one base label Mm -hmm. with like colors randomly assorted by me Mm -hmm. uh, with a set of six, five or six spot colors. I can't remember exactly how many we used. Um, so this is like defining this is our palette. And I worked with the printer. They brought it into the software and did that yeah. side of it and then generated the, the the print files. But it was, here's the colors we're going to use. Any asset that uses these colors 
is fair game for the software to randomize. Yeah. In this, in this. So it was generally a pretty straightforward file. Still has the white knockout for the metallic edges, mm-hmm. um, the strokes around the around the cells. And then the cells were just vector layers that it would automatically detect. It's like it's using the spot color, so it's fair game. Um, that was it. What a, I can just imagine being the guy who's running the, the label equipment, you know, because 99.9% of jobs you're running, same label, same label, same label, same label, same label. But to be running a job where every single label that comes out of the printer is different, mm-hmm. like what a trip that must be. Yeah. <laughs> Especially looking at this one where it's just like psychedelic colors, like going down a tunnel, just coming at you. And yeah. you got to be like, what did I eat today? <laughs> Maybe those weren't regular mushrooms that I had. Oh, on. boy. <laughs> That's a cool one, you know, and you're right. Like you were, you were able to do anything with this and that's some of the greatest opportunities for experimentation and just what the hell kind of trying things out. Yeah. And yeah. I like, I'm, I'm really lucky with, uh, getting to work with Boombox specifically, um, mm-hmm. because they're super open to this kind of thing. Yeah. We, we treat every beer as its own thing versus like part of a overall system. So it means we get to have fun with it and they have as much yeah. fun with it as I do. Man, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay, so the last one that I wanted to dive into with you here, Matt, is let me just remove this out of here. Was one that you guys called baseline dunks, and so funny story on this one. A friend of our, a mutual friend of ours, Gabby, was showing me this picture um, on Instagram. And I was like, "Oh, that's such a cool design." Now they could have taken it even further by putting a raised coating on all of the um, you know, bumps of a basketball. So most of the, ca- the can label looks like a basketball. And I said, oh, that would have been so cool if they did that. And then she went to the next slide where it showed a different angle. And she's like, no, no, they, they did. What? And that was just like the mind-blowing moment. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a super fun label. Uh, and yeah, that was the exact idea that we wanted to do. Um, yeah. So this beer, Baseline Dunks, uh, was going to be a collab uh, along with these kind of like special colorway glassware of like Mm -hmm. basketball teams um, that we released at the American. Uh, But the idea was we this is one where they came to me with a name, but that we knew it was going to be basketball themed. Uh, Ken, the brewer, used to play basketball, tall man, very large man. He can, he can, he can baseline dunk. So that's awesome. we, we kind of explored some options and then I, I really like super graphic, like, like you get the idea, minimal kind of photographic approaches to things. We don't use it that much, but I really love the doing it. So when I had this idea with the full basketball, it was like, we'd already done raised ink printing before on mm-hmm. a beer called just the hits, which is like a record another kind of super graphic uh, where the ridges of the record are raised ink. So you get that texture. Yeah. And so we knew what we were doing. And so when we did this one, we made a basketball and then I meticulously <laughs> made all the nubs <laughs> to, to do the raised ink. And yeah, it's just, you can kind of see in this light, it, it looks and feels like a real basketball. It's, it's amazing mm-hmm. how, how accurate that, that idea came came to be 
I this idea just hit me. I think if you like, if you didn't see the whole label and you just saw like a little sort of rangy orange corner of it with the bumps, you'd almost think it's like some like beer that's about like puberty and acne on somebody's face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got some ideas now. Right. There we go. Let the ideas go. Oh man, no, but that's such a cool a way and something again. One of those things that really just highlights how print can create these different experiences that, you know, digital and online and Instagram, like all of those things can't mm-hmm. like yeah, exactly. what a mind blowing experience when you've picked up a thousand cans in your life and it's just a smooth surface to grabbing one of these and going, what the hell is happening here? Yeah, exactly. We, we got a lot of people like mentioning that as soon as they grabbed it, which you would. Yeah. hundred uh, percent which is which is really cool like that's really what we're doing we could have not done it and it probably would have sold and saved yep. us money not had it if we wouldn't have to get a plate made to do yep. the spot ink but because yeah, that's not cheap that stuff no but one of the things that we think about when we're doing uh spot inks like this is or getting plates made so this and just the hits is we can do other labels with this exact layout mm-hmm. change the colors change the name make it part of a series uh, and give that some added value. So if we did like Harlem Globetrotter style colors and had a different name, yeah. uh, it could still work. Um, it would just be, yeah, the dots. Like in this one, it's a little trickier because like the name has to like fit the same mm-hmm. kind of general area. It's okay if the dots overlap a little bit. The stripes are all, the dots don't touch the stripes at all. So it's... yeah you actually feel the dips, which is fun. So you really gave yourself some flexibility in creating that plate because if mm-hmm. you had it directly outline the word baseline dunks, like you're stuck with that name. You're not going to be able to use that plate again with a different name. Yeah, exactly. Or we could like have something, something baseline dunks or like double dry hub baseline dunks or something like that True. and, and apply it kind of over top, uh, which is an option. Um, and it was the same with just the hits because only the ridges on the very outside are, are raised ink versus yeah. the center, which is just where the name is. That's all flat. Yeah. You know, I'm going to pull up just the hits here as well, mm-hmm. just because that one is another one that I thought was super cool. So let's get that bad boy out here. Yeah, that's so, oh, it's so rad. Yeah, just looking at it here. Okay, we'll share this in a sec here. The magic of technology and whatever else I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, while I'm doing this, what are you drinking? Uh, water. <laughs> Come on. Just a little water. Come on. Uh, that's a coffee and some water. <laughs> I'm streaming tonight. Tonight I'll be drinking a lot of stuff, but yeah, uh, exactly. I got, that's yeah, I got, I got the Pesh Mortel bourbon on deck. Uh, cause that just arrived in town. Sorry. So that'll the be fun. What? Uh, Peche Mortel, it's an imperial stout from Du de Ciel in Quebec. Um, So the normal one you can usually get around town. It's one of the best. It's got coffee in it. It's like one of the Mm -hmm. best imperial stouts that you can just get. It's it's always around. Um, And then once a year, they release a bourbon barrel-aged version. uh, And that just arrived recently. It should be at some stores. I think it's at like the Gull. Um, Very, very good beer. Although I haven't had this Sounds like a premium beer. Yeah, it's definitely a premium beer. Um, Although... At the scale that Dudicel produces, not really at a premium price, so it's That's not cool. it's not quite at the 
local Imperial Stout release like cost because their batches are way bigger. That's awesome that like you know breweries are at that scale um, and getting that notoriety. You know, almost that wine had like, oh no, I only get from this winery or this region, you know, or, or when a special bottle of wine or whiskey comes into town. Oh shit, where do we where do we get it? But beers now that way were so, just even like the one you're describing, like that's a big deal for somebody who knows beer. Yeah, yeah, the beer. I mean, beers. It's it's gone super regional. Uh, it's varietal. It's it's very. It's getting more and more ingredient focused. Uh, not that it ever wasn't, but people are being particular about it's like, oh, what brand of malt did you use in this? Yeah. It will change the flavor pretty dramatically. Yeah. So it's 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 getting to that point. We still have like the kind of labels I'm making. This isn't wine. <laughs> like it's still very like I want to say down to earth. There's there's definitely beer out there that's more like closer to wine and general branding but obviously mm-hmm. wine comes down to this level too and i'm, yep. I'm saying i'm saying a low and a high but it's it's more of a different uh, yeah you know i know what you're saying i know it's it's less in that sort of like bur- barrel aged bourbon barrel aged like that sort of specialty market it's more of like a general purpose good product yeah for sure so up on the screen now we've got just the hits um so right away, you can see you've got the metallic on there. You've got, and that raised um, UV is sort of the record lines around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was a uh, this was the first time that we used raised ink. We actually did this the same month we did hollow tape. So that month we just decided to spend all the money, I guess. But <laughs> we we're it was yeah. The idea was just to do a uh, this record concept. Actually, Ryan came to me with this idea, and mm-hmm. I loved it. And he's like. I assume that he had got told about the raised ink by yeah. by the printer, which good job. Yeah, uh, smart. So this was a, a collab we did with Twin Sales back in the day, um, and it was just yeah. I'm like, I know exactly what to do. It's very straightforward. Let's just dial in the execution of it, and yeah. it feels super cool. Like this was the first one where I'm like, all right, it's not just like a little glossy. It's like it's got like a, a waxy feel to it, which yep. is perfect for this like a, a vinyl record. Yeah. Um, and it just and then we we kind of faked this gold foil, so it's it's a metallic stock, but I just gave it the texture to make it. I was going like say it. yeah, it's got like some texture going on in there. Yeah, so we wanted to, we wanted it to feel like uh, uh, just the hits, like uh, a, a compilation album of yeah. the best the best parts. So this was a collab between Boombox and Twin Sales that was uh, very, very, very good. They, they, they took, they'd collaborated before on a beer called Kicking in Speakers. Okay. Um, which is a uh, long time ago before we were doing cans. Um, and that was considered like extremely good. And this was very similar. Like this was kind of referencing the, the best parts of both breweries uh, in mm-hmm. terms of this style. So getting to do this raised ink and it's literally just circ we made a we made a a plate that's just these rings um that go around and then it's the same layout in the file itself mm-hmm. just for mock-up purposes but there's no printed lines or anything it's just uh or there's no printed lines in the artwork i mean but there's the layer on top uh just raising everything underneath it 
So was there a Matt Laminate on this as well? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Hold on. Do I got it here? I don't think so. No. Like you can, yeah. Like even this this can I have some of the yeah. raised ink is chipping away. Like it's 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 our normal matte labels just with the uh, raised ink printed on top. That's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. So you know when we're looking at all of these labels. Um, you know, when you're interacting with textures, you're using holographics and metallics and you're creating these cool effects from what I understand. And from the conversations I've had with designers who are in this world, like the beer industry offers almost second to none in when it comes to creative freedom mm. and just pure creativity, not necessarily looking for an ROI, but what can we do to just create something that just looks like a smash hit? Yeah, that's. I would say that's definitely true. Uh, the beer industry, for the most part, is kind of driven by excitement about beer. Versus, you're mm -hmm. not getting into beer to make money. Yeah. Full stop. It's not a lucrative industry uh, unless you get extremely lucky or you're like a multinational. Yeah. But most breweries are just like either started by brewers who want to express their beer and just have fun with it or mm -hmm. started by people who are excited about, about beer and then find yeah. people to come on board. But in all those cases, it's just like, let's have fun and they can either be super brand sensitive and go like, yeah. we want a system, but we want it to be very distinctly ours. Uh, if you look at breweries like Daggerad, they fall in that category and their labels are incredible. Um, and then like Superflux started with a vibe and are now kind of systemizing as well mm -hmm. but it's just it's the opportunities are endless you just want to make something that represents you but is new and fun in some way um that's cool yeah. and it's like the more you understand about how these labels and how shrink sleeves work and how they're made and how they're applied the more you understand about all of these processes and different materials you can use the crazier your designs can get, the more wild, the more unique experiences that you can create. And I'm going to put this out there, Matt. I'm dying. I'm still dying for somebody to use um, like the cedar wood grain label, like a veneer wood label. Not to print it, it and make it, but the actual wood veneer label. It's been done. By who? Where? Here, Four Winds. Uh, Four Winds. Really? Four Winds Edna. Uh, so at least the original labels. So the first, the first, they've done it a couple times okay. in this series, but Edna was the very first one. Okay. As far as I know, they're the only local brewery to do it. It was the first beer that there was, that I can recall that there was ever a lineup for the release. So this would have been what? in tw 20, like 15, okay. I think. Um, and so people were lined up outside of the brewery, which is in an industrial park in Delta. <laughs> yeah, were lined up like a pretty location no i just lined up down the street to get their two bottles of this um crab apple saison yeah uh, barrel aged crab apple saison edna edna crab apple uh and it's yeah they they did a, a wood veneer label with kind of their standard aesthetic like ornamental name mm -hmm. in the middle art on it and it was just like that was really cool because they were the first ones to do it and yeah um I think they did it again with another in that series. I forget which one it was though. Um, 
but nobody else has really, really pushed that here. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see it on a can. That would be interesting. Yeah, so I, I'm, I just did like a mad Google search. So they've switched to like just a linen uncoated paper. Yeah. So they don't do the wood veneer anymore. Yeah. Um, and then looking at some of like, you can, I found a couple of pictures where it was just like a little corner of it and you could tell it was the wood grain, but their design covered a lot of it up. Like I can't find the front of it showing like that wood veneer finish. So nobody's left it alone as a wood veneer and print and gone minimal with it. Mm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, my recollection of the the front of it. Do I still have a bottle of it? I might. If you, you don't do mind not. me stepping away, I might have a bottle. One okay, I'm, I'm. I'm gonna be shocked. I'm gonna be shocked. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Batch one bottle, two fifty-two out of seven fifty. Bottle June twenty-second, twenty fifteen. That is uh, amazing. I thought it had some stains, but it's wood grain. Um, yeah. So I'll try and focus it here. Come so on, camera. See. Uh, try and get some angles there, but you can kind of oh, see yeah? the wood grain shining through yep. there. Uh, this was the first one, and it's you can kind of yeah. Oh, don't peel rip it, it off on my behalf. <laughs> I just peel it a little corner up. It's fine. Yeah. You can, it's definitely, this was, this was a fun one to get. I doubt it tastes good now, just for the record, but this is more of a collectible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, more of a collector's item. Yeah. I have a, fr I have a fresh one too. That's now it's in the, it's in the large, these are 500 mil bottles. It's now yeah. in the large format. Um, But yeah, they, I would love to do something with this. If I can make it fit our aesthetic. <laughs> Yeah, but. somehow create and make it fit. I'm just trying to think back, like, what are, like, the retro things? Um, I don't know if it's the right timing, but I'm going to throw this out there as an idea uh, sure. just before we wrap this up is, you know, in that retro column, I did this. Uh, I started putting YouTube videos out about um, how print has this, like, lasting memory power. And I specifically talked about pogs because when I was in grade yeah. four and grade five, dude, pogs were it mm -hmm. and i was talking about pogs and looking at them and you know when you look at them back as an adult in this design space right you're like these are all like crazy illustrations and design like can you imagine being a pog designer back in the day <laughs> i yeah i it's funny a friend of mine uh used to host a charity pog tournament no uh, way in the recent past so <laughs> not <laughs> not when pogs were in um pogs here <laughs> I have pogs somewhere in this apartment. We'll have to um, challenge you. We'll have to get together and do a little slammer match, a little slammer battle yeah. with some pogs. But there, it's there's so many. It's such a specific aesthetic, and then obviously mm -hmm. you have like the the co-branded ones. Yeah, um, that just opens up a whole opportunity. But it's like, who? There, I could definitely see like that kind of theme. Uh, being pulled in. Yeah. So, so like, if you created something like that or, or a label that, you know, had this like hang tag on the neck where you could like literally punch out a pog and, you know, just start cool. collecting pogs or something. Right. I, and I even thought of this idea after I did the video or in the video, I talk about it is, you know, if you've got a bunch like 50 amazing, talented um, designers and illustrators together and you gave each of them that circle, blank circle, do whatever you want. And you printed this tube of collectible, artist created pogs mm -hmm. like that'd be so rad that'd be just awesome 
that's I, I can guarantee that's coming at some point. I don't know how yeah, that's a Kickstarter how, project somewhere out there. I've said it yeah. before. I've said it live. I better get on. I don't know that. how restrictive they are on the copyright, but uh, the uh, you know designer discs. We're just designer discs. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely <laughs> see that happening. That's cool, man. Awesome, Matt. This has been fantastic. Like diving into some of these beers, talking about your your journey to this, talking about how incredibly creative the beer industry allows you to be when it comes to design and creative freedom. Like, man, such an awesome spot to be. So if there's if there's any designers who are aspiring to create beer labels or connect with a brewery, um, last question is what what advice would you give them? How to get started? Where to get started? Oh, good question. Um, I would just say, just, I'd probably say one, find stuff you like and, Mm -hmm. and just collect it and see what people are doing. And then Mm -hmm. if you know somebody who's doing homebrew, like help them out. Can I design a label for you? Polish your stuff up a bit. It's, it's fun. It's, you have to treat it as a hobby. Um, I think if you're lucky enough to end up having it as a career, that's great. Uh, but if you're doing it just on your own, it's it's a, not an easy industry to just kind of get into mm-hmm. unless you're part of the community already in some capacity. Yeah. So it's just make stuff that seems fun. If you want, if you have an idea for a label that you just wish existed, just make it. It'll be fun. It's not like trying to redesign a website as like a mm-hmm. portfolio piece. It's just, you know, making band posters as a kid, even though nobody asked you to. It's it's a fun way to play around in uh, an interesting medium. And it's easy to find a, a can of beer, take the existing label off and put yours on and see how it feels and just totally. play around. And yeah. what I was just thinking about too is in, in the craft beer label design course, we go through finding a printer and why working with a, a printer and building a relationship with a printer is so important. And if you find a digital label printer that you know is creating a lot of work for this beer industry, fairly cost effectively, you could get five or six labels printed off as a digital proof of your design and use that for some photos, use that for testing, you know, things like that. Um, you can do some pretty cool things. Yeah, yeah, the barrier to entry in that in that respect is pretty is pretty low nowadays, mm-hmm. um, and you can just try super exciting things because in, in that case you're your own boss, yeah. so you just get to show how your brain works and take some photos of it in in situ in real life. And yep. people, if it's if you make cool stuff like that, they will come knocking. Yeah. Like they they are looking for something new. There's a f- so many breweries end up going to the same like agencies or people because mm-hmm. who's they, there they who's do stuff yeah yeah so. awesome matt well i want to wrap this up and where can people find you because you're doing some pretty cool streaming stuff so why don't you tell me about that quickly here yeah uh so i'm streaming on twitch uh twitch.tv slash it's comfy k-u-m-p-y uh i'm doing beer streaming which is kind of weird it's it's talking about beer, particularly local stuff, drinking beer, uh, playing games with chat, stuff like that, letting them buy, letting them force me to buy stuff I don't want to drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's been fun. Uh, talk about design there too. We actually just went over the Craft Beer Marketing Awards mm-hmm. uh, last week, which was really insightful. There was even some local stuff in there, which is cool. 
Um, so that's one place. I have the same handle on Instagram where I post a lot of stuff. So it's Comfy. Uh, so if you want to see like my label work in progress, I might even start doing live label design on the stream if Boombox awesome. is cool with that, uh, which I, I think would be cool with that. And then, yeah, I have Twitter as well, but it's just KUMP, just at Comp. So no, awesome. no, no why on there. But yeah, uh, feel free. And if you have any questions about how I do any of this stuff, always open. Just give me a shout. That's cool, man. So what's on tonight's stream? Because you're streaming tonight, right? Yeah, tonight, just keeping it kind of easy. Uh, going to play some Jackbox and drink some beers. Uh, Love nothing, too, nothing too fancy. Uh, next week, probably do a little more specific topical stuff. But just got my jab last weekend. So keeping it keeping it casual this week. Keeping it low key. Honestly, didn't feel nearly as many side effects as I was worried about. So could have went here. But good, yeah, could have went harder. <laughs> could have went harder. <laughs> nice, awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for joining me on here. And uh, I'm going to make sure I link all of these things to, on where to find you down in sort of like the show notes or the YouTube description area so people can find you. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks so much for your time, Matt. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was great. All right, that is the end of today's episode. And again, the Craft Beer Label Design course launches June 22nd. Start learning label design right now over at printdesignacademy.com. And down in the description of this podcast, I'm also going to link to Matt's Twitch channel and his YouTube channel. He does some awesome stuff with craft beer labels and chatting about them. Um, a recent one that he did on Twitch was he took the, I think it was the Canadian Beer Marketing Awards or one of the most recent uh, marketing awards specifically for the beer industry. And he did this sheesh or yeesh video on all of these different labels for beer. Um, it was an awesome stream. He's got some great stuff there. So go check out what Matt has cooking. I'll link to his Instagram, his Twitch, and his YouTube down in the description. Go check it out. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.